Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Episode 900 of the Talking Metal Podcast. That's an accomplishment, definitely. Wow. Guys, stay tuned. We have an epic, epic show for you today. We have a major, major Hollywood Superstar, I would call him Dan Fogler of The Walking Dead, of Fantastic Beasts, of so many great TV shows and movies. This guy won the Tony Award for his work on Broadway. Man, and he's a heavy metal fan in more ways than one. He likes heavy metal music. We're going to talk to him about that. But he also is a fan of heavy metal comics and he works for them and he's been releasing some comics through heavy metal magazine. Uh, so we're going to talk to him all about that. And before that interview, we'll hear from Simone. This guy is a producer over in England, an amazing guitar player, an amazing songwriter, and he's worked with Jeff Tate, Jolyn Turner. And we're going to talk to him about his band DGM and also about the work that he's done with people like Jeff Tate and Jolyn Turner. So stay tuned for that. He is a great guy. We're going to uh, hear from him shortly so we'll start with simone today again of a great band if you don't know these guys we're going to play some of their music dgm they're out of uh they're out of italy and wow what what great stuff they are going to be uh giving us on this new record uh anyways we'll hear all about it in just a second so let's get this episode started here i guess you'd call this the cold open i have some major announcements happening uh, which I'm going to stay tuned to the very end of this episode. If you don't want to hear all the music and stuff, just skip to the end because I will have some some thoughts, nothing concrete yet, but some some major thoughts on, on on the future of Talking Metal. So please stay tuned for that. And before we get into the episode, thank you to our patrons of Patreon. Please join me there, patreon.com. It's what keeps this show going, literally. It's what emotionally, financially... This is this. These are the uh, the people who keep this thing rolling for me. Sean Richmond, who just joined us. Sean, uh, I sent your package out. I hope you got it. Mario Sashrantz, also a new guy here on the uh, the Patreon 
page. Mario, we're going to hit a couple of your, your requests today in episode 900. So stay tuned for some great metal picks from Mario. Lou, who just left us, she was up in Canada. Lou, uh, sorry to see you go, but you are still a supporter through the end of the month, which is why I'm giving you a shout out here. Andrew Miller, Jeremy Weltman, Chris Riley, Johan Enderstrom, who I love talking with on social media, Stephen Rodriguez, Tommy Anderson, Gregory Muse, Kenny McCrimmon, Leo from Alaska, who I love texting with, and, and uh, Leo, yeah, I don't know what song Bumblefoot used my, my Les Paul on, but uh, songs, because he told me he used it on numerous songs, but he definitely used it on the Chinese Democracy record by Guns N' Roses. Brad out in Utah, how are you, Brad? Richard Langridge, Dan Gerwin, Jerry from Long Island. I haven't heard from Jerry in a while. Hope he's okay. Sam Soupy. Drake. Drake, I mailed your Talking Metal mask out, so be safe. Wear a Talking Metal mask. Uh, Matt Carroll, Joe Ryan, Jason Seth, Stephen Saylor, Ron Keel, who is a fan of Heavy Metal Magazine, by the way. Jean-Francois Blas. Anthony Mackey, James Bennett, David Gray, Fred Roots, Michael Street, Mike Jones, Steve Hoker, John Bovari, and Metal Dan. Metal Dan, love you, Metal Dan. I got in a fight with somebody on Twitter. It was Metal Dad, though, and I, for a second I thought it was you. I, I was arguing over the, uh, the Kiss solo records, which I think the Peter Chris one, I'm talking about the 78 solo records, is awful, but I liked, really liked... All three of the other ones, Ace, Paul, and Jeans. And this guy was saying that Jeans sucked. And I, I think I might like Jeans the best, believe it or not. It's close between Ace and Jeans. But there you go. Glad I wasn't arguing with Metal Dan. That was the Metal Dad I was arguing with. Metal Dad uh, thinks the Peter Chris 78 solo record is good. So obviously, uh, he needs to get his hearing checked. All right, let's get into the episode. This is Talking Metal, episode 900. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
dissident aggressor off of Sin After Sin. Some classic Judas Priest. That's going out to Dan Gerland. Dan, you are one of our top tier supporters on Patreon. I uh, I was happy to exchange some direct messages with you. I hope it didn't, we didn't let you down or tick you off too much with some of the opinions that were we are letting fly on the uh, the private Mark Striegel podcast, which is available for you patrons only. So, uh, anyways, all good. I love you, Dan Gerwan, and want to talk more with you, hang more with you, and yeah. All right, I think you're out in California. So big shout out to Dan Gerwan. Th- thanks for that classic Priest song there. Good stuff. I know you got a, a story about Priest and a, the tour bus and the 405. So I want to hear that. You got you got me. I've been thinking about that numerous times. So you got to tell me that story at some point. All right. So again, we have some very cool guests on the show. Let's um, let's right now hit another request. This goes out to uh, our good man. On Patreon, Mario over, I believe, in Switzerland. This is Virgin Steel with Perfect Mansions.
little virgin steel here on Talking Metal going out to Mario over in Switzerland, a patron on Patreon. Please join me on Patreon, guys. That's the way you support me. Uh, let's hit this interview. This is Surrender by DGM, followed by my interview with Simone from DGM.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and we are talking with Simone Moloroni over in Italy. How are you, Simone? Hey, Mark. I'm fine. I'm fine. Cool. And we are obviously in a kind of a weird time here. Probably an understatement, but a very weird time here in the history of our our world and our planet. How are you dealing with with the the COVID quarantines and lockdowns? Are you staying safe? Yeah, I mean, this summer we went, we pretty much went back to normal here, yeah. and right right when October started, the numbers started to went up again, and now we're almost in one hundred percent lockdown again. So. I mean, for me, it's not a big, super big deal because I work in the studio and I can sing stuff by myself. Of course, I I had a lot of bands that were supposed to come here to record and I had to postpone them. But luckily, I'm I'm not relying only on live gigs to live my life. So, I mean, financial wise. So it's it's not a, a super different life from what i do usually you know i'm always right. close my studio both playing recording or mixing and but of course we cannot see friends we cannot see anybody even my family you know it's it's, it's a strange time and i really i really I stay mentally healthy and not thinking about too much about the, the numbers that every deaths and stuff like that. Otherwise, I I go toward uh, like a sort of depressed kind of mood. So it's it's but 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 it's fine. I mean, I'm I'm lucky to do a job that I love. So it's every day it's different music and new people to talk with, even if it's via Skype or whatever. But it's fine. Cool. Well, Simone, before we get into talking about the the music that you're working on, especially the great new album tragic separation by dgm i want to just uh ask you kind of a random question i heard you once you once lived in new york for a while is that true and if so where and and why were you here no i mean not living i i i've been there twice or okay. maybe three times but on holidays i had i have one of my dearest friend that he was is a great drummer he used to play with me like 10 years ago in another band and he moved there. He got married. He got a fantastic baby. And and when I have every time I have the chance, I love to come there. I love New York. I love the city. And, and but he, I've never lived there. You never it lived would there. Would be crazy for me, yeah. Uh, compared to what I where I live now. And, gotcha. You know, gotcha. Cool. Well, it's been four years since DGM's last album, the uh, the Passage, and you guys are back with some really strong material. Tragic separation. I want to start with the songwriting because not only do we get like incredible playing on this re- record and great progressive metal elements, but really all that aside for me, the songs are so damn catchy and they, they stick in your head. I mean, fate, surrender, silence, hope are, are those courses. They're just big courses. I mean, they almost rival like a, a pop course or something. I mean that in, in a good way because they're, they're so catchy. When you approach these songs in a songwriting style, is that something you guys really have in mind? Like, okay, we, we definitely need, we need, we need hooks. We need songs that, that people are going to remember. Is that something that's in your mind when you're writing these songs? It's exactly the point. You got, you got exactly the point when, 
especially for this album. I, I find myself because I'm writing like 99% of the music and in the records and more and more album after album, the goal moved towards this this chorus hook thing, you know. Right. I love it. Album, I love it. And this album is is like the the first thing that I told to the guys is was was okay guys, I don't care about the super flashy riffs or if we have uh, enough heavy riffs like because in the past it was a little bit like that, you know? Right. It was like oh, maybe we need a more heavier song, more in the vein of I don't know, like Symphony X or whatever, you know? But now it's 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 only really only about finding the the best chorus that we can and the best melodies in general and and the comparison that you did with pop music it's it's perfect because i mean i'm not listening to pop music every day but i love the the classics you know like michael jackson and and i don't know mariah carey all the all the classic you know singers from the 80s and yeah and all of them first Firstly, they had great songs, you know, that you can, I still sing those uh, 30 years after. And that's my main goal nowadays. It's not more, it's not, it's not that I'm rejecting the technical aspect, you know, we still have, you know, like difficult technical passages or solos and stuff like that. But because that, that is our background, you know, I grew up listening and playing that, that kind of stuff. But nowadays the main goal is the melody. So if, if a chorus is not working, then I I could even trash the 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 song and start over again with something different. So I'm glad you 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 picked up this 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 thing because a lot of people is just caring about you know the the difficult stuff and technical progressive elements. But for us, the the melody is the main is the main key. You know? yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think it's smart, too, because, I mean, it's there's a lot of people out there who maybe aren't musicians, who aren't prog heads, and they're going to really be drawn to this record because of those those hooks. Uh, I really I really think there's some just great, great songwriting involved here. And of course, you know, you're still incredible playing, incredible little cool time signature changes and stuff, which is which is awesome. But it. it the the songwriting on on tragic separation and the hooks I just uh, am really impressed with. Let's let's talk about the concept of the record because this is a a concept album. Correct me if I'm wrong. What what is the story of this record? What's the concept in in your mind? I mean, it's not it's not a, like the classic concept, like you know, like 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 the albums that I love, uh, Operation Mindcrime or Shadow Gallery, Tyranny. You know those concept that are mainly stories you know with characters and stuff like that this our and especially i have to mention that the album didn't start as a concept you know i just wrote single songs and then my drummer it's all it's all because of my drummer fabio he came up with the with the idea and he asked me if, if he called me one day and he told me hey I have this idea. Can I write all the lyrics? And being myself a, a really bad lyricist, and I hate writing lyrics, I told him, "Hey, man, go ahead, like forever, right. you know." And uh, he basically had the idea because he was he had the news that he was waiting for a third baby. You know, he has three kids, so he had this idea of of telling. The story of of a person's life, you know, all the journey from the the first day of his life until the 
the the very last day of of everybody's life and wow. and every song represents a little step up in in the lives i do say like awareness like the the first song is more like exactly when you when you when you're born and the very first day of your life you don't know where you are you don't know <laughs> you know anything you know and then the more and more you get more acknowledge of of things in life and the tragic separation is mainly represented by by the separation that you have with with first firstly from your original family you know when you have to go out in the world exploring the world by yourself and also the separation from your convictions that you always had in your in your early life and i mean i'm not the best explaining the concept because he wrote that you right. know and and but Overall, the overall picture is is mainly the the journey in everybody's life in this character uh, from the beginning to the end, with all the struggles, you know, the separation and the hopes in in, in lives and stuff like that. But it's never it's never like uh, how do you say in English? It's never specific, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's quite abstract, and and we we ne- we we never like to to talk about stuff in in particular you know we always like abstract imaginary something like that i don't know if it makes sense in my yeah. bad bad english but but that's the story mainly <laughs> no i get you it makes sense for sure uh kind of a little a little guitar nerd question here in the oh, music fine. video for <laughs> surrender which is a great new song off the new album tragic separation by dgm uh, that telly that you're playing there, that Telecaster, that that looks very cool. What you got two humbuckers in there? Is that something you kind of hijacked and put those in? What what's the story behind that Fender telly? I mean, I'm using those telly since because I have two of them, you know, and I always switch between one and the other. One has two humbuckers and one has one humbucker and and one single coil. It's the other one I have in the Flesh and Blood video, for example, and. I've always been a, a I always been a Schecter and more modern guitar user until three albums ago I think until the Momentum album and then I really went went back to the to the, to the basics because my father plays guitar and he he owns all these old you know Stratocasters and Telecasters and and I. I mean, I love the Strat, the Strat, because I'm a biggest Ingve fan. But I, I couldn't be like, I couldn't use the Strat. You know, it's his thing. I wanted right. something different. And also, I'm a big Richie Kotzen fan, and he's using a Telecaster. And yeah, so I right. tried to experimenting with some models, and I find a client of mine came in the studio with this Jim Root. You know, the Slipknot signature. It's a basic right, okay. Telecaster with yeah. with two EMGs. Right, the Slipknot guy. Right, okay. Exactly, and I bought two, four of them, two black and two white, and I started to switch necks and try different electronics. And in the end, I find I found myself using a, the EVH Frankenstein pickup. Okay. Yep. That's my main unbacker in both of the guitars, the in the bridge position. And from the neck position, I bought a. I'm using a Tone Zone DiMarzio, and copied from my friend Romeo from C3X. Right, right on. And um, he's using the same. And the other one is great. Uh, a single coil. It's handmade from Sweden, 
and I really cannot remember the name. It's like it's like uh, Friedman North or some some something like that. You know, I cannot pronounce. Right. But it's great because I I really wanted to have for for the songs that are more rockish, like Surrender or stuff like that. I really wanted to have a guitar that had more that single coil feeling, and I couldn't find a single coil that had the same output level as my main EVH Unbacker. And then I found this this custom-made a single coil that is great because it's super silent, no noise. And I mean, I don't want to go super technical, so I don't know if if I'm boring. Right. No, right. no. I, I mean, I'm a I'm a gear guy, but yeah, for the sake of yeah. our listeners, we we, we won't yeah. go too much into that. But yeah, that's great. I, I I've heard a lot of people talk highly about the uh, the Eddie Van Halen Frankenstein pickup, so that's interesting that you're using one of those. I've been using I've been using past active pickups forever for like 15 years of my playing life, and because all the metal guys were using those ones, you know, yeah. EMG ones, and and I still love them, but but. Then at a certain point, I really wanted the dynamics to be. Maybe it's the same switch that I had for for the songwriting. You know, searching for more uh, vibe uh, somehow, mm-hmm. more melody, and that's why I discovered those those passive guitar pickups that are great. You know, right they on. can be super heavy and super rock at the same time. Cool. Well. I, I do want to, I mean, you have such an amazing history and you've done so much work, uh, producer work as well with so many different acts and bands. We won't be able to touch upon all of it in this in this shorter interview that we're doing. But for the next, you know, eight to ten minutes, I do want to kind of uh, talk about some of your you the, the work that you've done with people like Jeff Tate, Jolyn Turner. But before we do that... Uh, is it too early to think about touring plans for 2021? Are you guys booking shows? What What are you looking at as far as live dates go? It's it's strange, man, because it's the it's the very first time in my whole life that I have new songs that I, that we wrote and we recorded, and I cannot play them live. So we're always searching for news and for we're always t- talking to agents, to promoters, and stuff like that. But nothing is happening. Actually, right. because especially in Italy, nobody wants to to risk to book stuff and then to cancel them, maybe losing losing money. So everything is kind of in by in standby. Up you know? in the air, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even even a lot of my friends around around the world, they're pretty much the same. I mean, the bigger bands are of course trying to booking stuff, but you never know. There could be a third wave. <laughs> Of the virus or maybe a fourth wave who knows you know and so for the for the smaller bands like like us it's like i mean we we never had like big tours like millions of dollars and stuff like that you know so it's it's hard to know when it it, it will start like before again so it's we're just waiting and the only thing we are speaking about is when there will be the chance if if we cannot go out, out playing live, then we would love to do something like in streaming. I mean, we try to avoid that for for a few months, but we really need to play these songs live. Right on. You know? even, even if it's in the, in a studio or rehearsing them and filming maybe for the fans, you know, we, we will find something. Just mainly just to meet 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 with each other and play the songs in a live situation. You know? Cool. Cool. Well, let's let's jump around here a little bit. Sunstorm, 
You guys had mm-hmm. a great release back out in, I guess it was about two years ago, The Road to Hell, and a very different sound from DGM. And you have Joe Lynn Turner, who has given us such amazing music through the years with, of course, Rainbow, am- among others. Let's Let's talk about that. When you approach... That you obviously have to be in a totally different head for for your songwriting. I mean, is Joe very much in your mind when you're creating those songs? Um, I I yeah, I did that album and one before that I liked it even more. Uh, I think it was 2016 or 17. Uh, Age of Tomorrow, it's called. Anyway, it's always with Jolie Turner, and that was my first very first experience with him. And, you know, to me, it was a, a completely new experience because in all my life, I have only written songs for myself, you know. So I know perfectly my singer. I know perfectly my drummer. And in this case, I had the, 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 the honor and the luxury to write songs for one of my heroes because, you know, my biggest one of the albums of my favorite albums of all time is Odyssey from Ingve and Jolie Turner singing on that. And the other one is the, the, all the albums from Rainbow. Rainbow is one, probably my, my favorite rock band. And, and yeah, of course I had to, to tame down all my tech, all my progressive, you know, uh, elements because I've always, I always incorporate in all my songs, you know, some maybe more difficult or technical passage. It's, it's not because I want to be difficult. It's just because it's the music I, I grew up with, you know, the background. Right and on. I really had to, to tame it down and only think about the riffs and the not changing key every, you know, two bars like I do with DGM and trying to be more straight and focus more on the sound, especially. And of course, I had to keep in mind uh, Jolie Turner because you you always have to keep in mind you know the tonality in, in where you you write the songs and and I, I think above all the experiences that I had outside DGM, uh, Soundstorm has been one of my favorite, especially the first album. It's it's really it's really a great experience. And Joe, it's it's I mean he's a monster. And I I was really happy when when he heard the final result he wrote me a letter an email i mean and he was so excited about my you know because my sound was a little bit heavier compared to the the stuff that he's usually working with so he was all excited about you know being a little bit more modern in some some way and so it's it's been a it's been a dream so far working with him will there be more stuff with him down the road um i don't know if i'm kind of ha- allowed to say i mean i did a new soundstorm record for the label and i wrote i wrote most of it during the lockdown the first lockdown and i think it's great but i don't know if joe is singing it will be singing and you know it's not it's not my project it's a label thing so you gotta you gotta see about contracts and stuff like that you know i I'm just the, the I'm just the poor guitar player that, that play, plays guitar and I know nothing about the the business side of this. So gotcha. I don't know if he will sing these songs or someone else, but I know the the name of the project would be Soundstorm. You know. So okay, okay, cool. We look forward to that. And I got to talk to you about an album that came out last year, which I I just loved, Sweet Oblivion, featuring Jeff Tate, mm-hmm. because. 
for the first time in a long time, I felt like Jeff Tate was back to a place that I wanted him to be at musically as a longtime fan of, of his and Queensryche. And, you know, it, it was it was the Jeff Tate that we wanted to hear as fans of Rage for Order and Operation Mind Crime and The Warning. I mean, that that's where we wanted Jeff to be. And, and you guys successfully got him to that place. How, how was that? Was it hard to get him back in that in that space oh. musically? What, what, did it take some pushing from you guys as a, as the musical team kind of behind it? I mean, that was a, a, a strange and tough record for me because, I mean, not writing it, because it was, I mean, I, I'm in love of his old work, you know, Empire, Operation Mindcrime and all this stuff. I'm a big fan. And of course, it was kind of easy for me to write stuff in that vein. I mean, not, of course, trying not to copy those songs, but, you know, incorporate that kind of sound into my own ideas. But then it was it was tough in the beginning, you know, because it was, I wrote all the melodies and he was expecting to sing, to change them according to his modern taste. You know, he, he likes, he likes different stuff nowadays. You know, he doesn't sing, as you right. said, that style anymore. So in the beginning I was quite frustrated because I, I know that I'm no one compared to him. I mean, he's a big rock star and I'm no one, you know, I'm a, a Italian guy from, the, from nowhere that, come up with with these with these songs and but i i i stand at my point i do say in english i mean i stood your ground stood your ground exactly yeah. i stood my ground because i told him hey that's why it wasn't easy you know because it, it's not easy to tell uh, to a person like to a, an artist like him hey you should sing my stuff you know not your ideas so so it was it wasn't easy but in the end i think in the end a lot, most of the people realized that my idea of bringing him back to that style was was a good idea, you know, because the album went great and all the reviews were great. And but still, I know there will be a second one, but I won't be in that record. You know, I won't be involved in producing, recording, and writing, mainly because I I really find that, that that I'm kind of out of inspiration in this period and I want to focus on my own stuff rather than writing million records for some other people and also because I think I think I they asked me if I wanted to do a second one but I I felt that I didn't have enough inspired ideas for a second one so I didn't want to copy and, and the first one and struggle again to to fight, you know, for the melodies. And so I think it's good to leave a project, especially if it if it's great, like that was, uh, you know, before it gets it gets more difficult, you know. And right. Right. So so in, my, so in my story, there will be a great album with Geoff Tate and that's it. You know, I don't want to do uh, right. one great and one bad album. One and done, but of course, there, there. You're saying that there, it does sound like maybe there will be another Sweet Oblivion featuring Jeff yeah, Tate, just I, I, without I, your involvement. I know that there will be because a friend, some friends of mine, are writing songs and producing it. So it's just that I won't be the main guy behind it, like I was in the first one. But you know, it's again, it's a label project, so I, 
it's not me deciding if they they're gonna be a next one or two more or whatever you know gotcha cool uh well a couple a couple quick questions and we'll we'll let you go a few more questions here let's talk about uh imperios your last record with them was of course uh Zeon back in 2013 is that band is there still a spark of creativity there could we ever see any new output from them I mean, the main reason why we stopped is that the thing that I told you before, because the drummer of Imperius moved to New York and uh, okay. that was he's living there now. And, you know, we were like, we were, unlike DGM, I mean, also DGM are like a sort of family because we're playing together since 15 years. But with Imperius, we went to school together. We were all neighbors, you know, we were kind of sort of family. We grew up together. And when Dario went to America, we felt like uh, there's no reason to go on without him, you know. And but still, we 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 hear we call each other every week, you know. We're my singers moved the singer moved to Milano, Milan, so we're all spread at, uh, around the globe. And but every time we talk to each other, we always say, "Hey, it would be cool to do more stuff." You know, but right this on. thing is going on until three years, so I, maybe more. So uh, I don't know if it will ever happen, but when it will be time, maybe an EP, maybe nothing like super, um, I mean, nothing difficult with contracts and label, maybe an EP just for fun and to create, to continuing that, that music. Because I, I'm really proud of the, the those two records that I did with the guys. Absolutely. Cool. And you do producer work. Uh, with a lot of different bands, but I wanted to just talk to you about one, Ultraviolence. Can you tell us a little bit about your your work with that band and your history with them? Yeah, I mean, uh, I love those guys because the first time they went to my studio, they were under 80, 18 years old. You know? Wow, they, okay. They came with their parents and it was, and I really saw them growing as a as a musicians and as a as a guys and. I, I think we did three records together, and uh, I don't know if it's if it's the the news is already out, but we're working on on new stuff right now, different, cool. a little different in in style. They're kind of changing style, but you know they're so young that every album was different because they're still growing as a musicians, and every year they're discovering new stuff. You know, maybe old bands or new bands. And and when you write music uh, when you're 18, and you, you, when you write music when you're 25, it's gonna it can be totally different. You know, it's not like you are a 50 years old composer that you know you pretty much defined your style. You know, so it's it's always right. great to work with them because they trust me, and every time we we experiment with different sounds, different techniques, and stuff like that. So it's great. Cool. Well. Simone, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I do want to remind the listeners that Tragic Separation by DGM is out. Sounds just amazing. Uh, really some great, great tunes on there. We're highly recommending it. We'll have it linked through today's show notes, uh, TalkingMetal.com. And uh, I guess that'll do it. Any any other projects you're working on you could fill us in on? Anything that, that you can talk about publicly? Um, I mean, I'm working on uh, on... On a follow-up for the Romeo uh, album, you know the solo album. Then oh, cool. I mean, I'm working as a producer, not right. as a guitar player. 
and that's gonna be one of my main thing for the next months. I don't know. I don't know anything about release dates and stuff like that. You know, we're just slowly working on that. And as a guitar player, I just did the, that Sandstorm thing that will be out, I guess, 2021. Right. Cool. The secret singer. So. Right. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's it. Um, okay. Maybe I'll go. I'll go on writing new DGM stuff if the lockdown continues and trying to trying to write good songs. That's that's it. All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and thank you for all the great music you've been giving us through the years. And again, that great music continues with "Tragic Separation" by DGM. Highly recommended for our listeners. And someone, please let me know. I'm in the New York area. In the oh, city great. all the time. So next time you're here, I want to buy you some dinner. Come keep my no. number, and uh, we'll we'll hang out after this this COVID shit is gone, and we'll uh, we'll hang in New York next time you're here. Definitely, I will call you. Okay. <laughs> all this silence is making me feel like I am.
right, right there, nothing left to say, which features Simone. We just heard an interview with him. And that also features the vocalist of uh, Rainbow fame, JoLynn Turner. Of course, uh, oh man, so many good vocalists in Rainbow, right? Ronnie, Ronnie James Dio, Grant Bonnet, JoLynn Turner. And, and Joe also sang on that weird Deep Purple record, <laughs> which I actually have on CD. Uh, what, what was that? The cut, the, I gotta, I gotta look that up. Slaves and Masters. Remember that one? It was like the Deep Purple record, which was actually kind of a rainbow record. <laughs> so yeah, that was from 1990. One of my first CDs, I believe. And wasn't, wasn't a major fan of it. I loved, uh, I loved the one, the one song, the title track. And I guess King of Dreams was good too, right? But anyways, yeah, so cool to talk with Simone. Love hearing that there's another Sweet Oblivion record with Jeff Tate on the way. I'm sad Simone's not involved with it, though. But it sounds like it may have been a little bit of a struggle working on that first record with with Jeff. But it was definitely, you know, I've, I've heard this story from people that, that sometimes making good art, whether it's an album or, or a movie, isn't always a pleasant experience, even if that outcome is awesome, you know, so, which it was with Sweet Oblivion featuring uh, Jeff, Jeff Tate, that, that album from 2019 that Simone did. So anyways, enough with that. Let's, uh, let's hit another song. This is All Hell is Breaking Loose. Brand new music by Roadwolf. Love this tune, man. Let's check this out.
A little road wolf here on Talking Metal. We have our interview with Dan Fogler of The Walking Dead. He's a cast member on The Walking Dead. Coming up in just a bit, he's going to talk to us all about his comics, which are awesome. So stay tuned for that. But right now, let's go to our friends over on my Patreon page. Uh, let's see. I believe it was Chris Riley, right? Chris Riley of the Patreon.com slash Talking Metal page requested a long song, a long one, off of the classic live record, Live in Japan by Deep Purple, with the classic purple lineup, Gillen, Lord, Pace, Blackmore, Glover. Yeah, man. Good call on this one, man. This is Child in Time by Deep Purple, the extended live version.
child in time You'll see the line The lines drawn between The good of us and the bad of us See the blind man Shooting at the world The bullets flying And you've not been hit You've not been hit by flying men You'd better close your eyes You'd better bow your head Wait for the Child in Time by Deep Purple, as requested uh, by Chris Riley. He didn't specifically request that song. He kind of left it up 
to me to pick the song off that record. But good one, Chris. Thank you for your continued support, Chris. It really means the world to me, and I'm, I'm so glad you're with us on Patreon. And I value your input and uh, your musical taste, for sure. Good stuff. Check one, two, check one, two. All right, I just uh, just adjusted the, the level of my mic. Hopefully that doesn't send your volume out of control. Anyways, this is a little typo negative. Going back to 2003, this song is I Don't Want to Be Me. And if you go watch the music video for this, you will see our next guest, Dan Fogler. He's in the music video for this. And uh, let's listen to the song and then get into my interview with Dan Fogler. I mentioned we have comic book writer Dan Fogler on the podcast with us. Of course, we know him from the great movie Balls of Fury and Good Luck Chuck, Fantastic Beasts, and of course from the hit TV show The Walking Dead. He also uh, has done voice acting in some movies like Kung Fu Panda, and I saw him on Broadway way back when in the uh, when he was doing the 25th annual Putman County Spelling Bee. 
But he, he's got some, some metal cred. We're going to talk to him all about that. And he's got some serious comic book cred. So let's get into this interview right now with Dan Fogler. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. And what an honor. We are speaking with the very talented Dan Fogler. Dan, how are you, man? Good, brother. How you doing? Oh, I'm psyched. I mean, we know you from your work with The Walking Dead, Fantastic Beasts, one of my brother's all-time favorite movies, of course, Balls of Fury, and dozens of other blockbuster movies. I once saw you on Broadway way back when in uh, the 25th annual Putman County Spelling Bee, which you won a Tony for way back when. But today we're talking comics, man, because I, I just finished reading Brooklyn Gladiator, and dude, this is so awesome. Possibly the sexiest comic cover I've ever seen in the history of <laughs> comics with uh, Cassandra. And uh, just such a, a great start to this series. Uh, you introduced Cassandra to us as she is bringing John Miller back to life in the year 2033. Can you talk a little bit about specifically Brooklyn Gladiator and what we can expect with future issues? Yeah, man. Um yeah, so excited to be working with Heavy Metal Magazine. It feels like a story that was born out of the, you know, one of the shorts from the magazine, you know, back in the day, like in the 90s or something. And I got um, uh, Simon Beasley on board, who is a heavy metal artist, did a bunch of covers that I loved growing up. And he did Lobo. And I was just like, right. Oh. Yeah. The DC Lobo. Yeah. Yeah, so I the fact that I got him to work on the comic was just a dream come true. And then to have Heavy Metal as the publisher is just so cool. And um, so Brooklyn Gladiator <laughs> was my, um, is my dystopian take uh, on, you know, the sci-fi cautionary tale. Right. And um, it's, yeah, uh, it is very... It's very sexy and it's very, uh, it's, it's my homage to everything that I grew up loving in that genre, um, specifically uh, Akira and um, Blade Runner and yeah. Mad Max. And, yep. um, and you can find all of these elements in there. And it's, it's the hero's journey, you know, it's, it's, uh, John, it's it's definitely an anti-hero's journey, but it's it's definitely the the cycle of the hero where John Miller is um, our uh, Neo or our you know Luke Skywalker, where he's just this guy who um, it's not it's, it's twenty thirty three, and uh, the technocracy has taken over, and uh, John Miller. Um, is this guy who's just trying to get by um, and he has become a Robin Hood of sorts uh, where he's um, he's fighting in these underground cage death matches and um, he's he's having the he's just on the outside you know you look at this guy and you say oh he's looks like um, you know, Bruce Willis and Schwarzenegger had a baby or something, you know, right, yeah. but like, but on the inside, um, he's this blossoming, uh, psychic. He's starting to have these, these, uh, really, uh, prophetic dreams and these trips on the astral plane. And he's using these newfound skills, these, these kind of like in Akira where you have all these different, 
uh, psychic starting to blossom all over the place. He's starting to have this awakening where everyone else seems to be completely zombified by the technology and all the, um, you know, the redacted information and this, the Orwellian world. And he's just rejecting all of it. And, um, he's going on the astral plane and he's finding all the nooks and crannies that are the places in between all the, um, the scrutiny of the, uh, you know, the all seeing eye, all the cameras everywhere. Um, and the idea for this character came from, I was in New York when uh, 9-11 happened and that just like physically, like, like mentally, like shook me to the core. And I've been going down rabbit holes ever since, you know, trying to get to, you know, trying to find the truth. And, and, um, so I thought, you know, by the time I got to the idea for writing this, I was like, let's do a, let's do a universe where all conspiracies are true. Okay. And yeah. And, um, so I basically just took all the, the conspiracies and all the, um, fringe science, you know, uh, from the, the headlines and I put the, put it into Brooklyn Gladiator, like nanite technology and, um, you know, astral projection and the te- tech technocratic, uh, takeover and, and, we, and we're living it, man. We're fucking, yeah. you know, we're, we're here. It's, uh, we're seeing during, we're in the middle of this lockdown and, and, um, it really is the seeds that could quite possibly, uh, we're, are, are, we're in the midst of uh, seeing these seeds being sown that could become this Brooklyn gladiator world. Right on, right on. And I do want to talk about your other comics that you're doing, which are great. Sure. Too, but before we leave Brooklyn Gladiator, because again, I, I was just fascinated with the first issue. One thing for me is, you know, we live in this kind of politically correct world here in 2020. And I, I just love how you, you push the boundaries with, with the art, with the story, with, with this. Is, is that something you consciously set out to do? Yeah, I mean, I I wanted to, you know, when you make something, you want to do, you want to read something that you're um, excited about, and this, like I said, is an homage to those action movies from the '80s and the '90s that I grew up on, and so I got, you know, Simon Beasley, who is like, you know, a star from then, and um, to be to do the art, and so yeah, I I. I wanted him to do what he does, you know, right he, makes, he makes women look uh, voluptuous and uh, he makes men, um, you know, look like uh, they're, uh, you know, like these muscular fucking gods. And, um, and that, that's, that's kind of the world of this, this like survival of the fittest world that I wanted to create. It's, um, it is, it's, uh, it is, and it's an homage to to all of that, to all of those, um, to Heavy Metal magazine, you know, that, that really yeah. sex, really sexy um, sci-fi, and um, yeah. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't want anyone to hold back, and I feel like things are so politically correct now. I think by twenty thirty three, I think it may swing the other way, like it, like it is in in the book you know right on right on and uh, six issues total in this series 
Uh, right. We have, um, well, total. No, I'm going to, I'm going to be, um, I've already written another four chapters that are going to come out next year. So okay. Get, yeah. So it's an ongoing thing as far as oh, I'm concerned. Cool. And, uh, so we got four issues. We got the issue number two, uh, coming out this month at the end of the month. I'm really excited about that. It's one of my favorite ones. And, uh, and then three and four, um, uh, into the new year. And then, um, and then I think by summer next year, you're going to see, you know, the next, uh, the next installment. I'm excited awesome. about it. Yeah. Awesome. And it's not the only thing you're doing with heavy metal. You are also doing moon Lake. Let's uh, touch upon that. Can you tell us just, you know, briefly explain the, the storyline and concept behind moon Lake? Sure, man. Like, so if, uh, if Brooklyn gladiators is my, my sci-fi homage, then moon Lake is my, homage to everything i stayed up late you know past my bedtime what you know <laughs> watching right. when i was a kid like uh you know tales from the crypt and amazing stories and twilight zone and and freaky tales creep show right. um so that's moon lake moon lake is uh is this like place that is uh near saskatchewan that is this crossroads of so many different versions of evil that it's hysterical. And yeah. um, you go there and you can't escape, you know, kind of like the island uh, in the show Lost, you know? Right. I love that. I love that show. And where each character has is their own rabbit hole, you know? Um, and there, it seems like, a, and, and Moon Lake itself, it, it, it I, I know it's an homage to all of these things, but specifically at its core, it is, um, it was inspired because of my love of heavy metal, the movie, which had the Loch Nahr as the through line narrator of all of these different uh, short stories. And I said, I wanted to do that, except my Loch Nahr is the man in the moon, essentially, who is like Hitchcock on acid. And he, uh, he you know, narrates all these stories, weaves them all together. And you have characters that pop up in different tales and, it's on the uh, it's on the broader side of the spectrum, you know. It's like uh, my my B movie, uh, my love of B movie genre. Um, if if that's your style, this is the graphic novel for you, you know. Right on, and we need to mention too, of course, Detective Bart Fishkill, um, yeah. the Fishkill comic, another another great one you're working on. Uh, little little history behind that, a little bit of the storyline for the listeners, if you don't mind. Sure, um, I appreciate this. Um, so Brooklyn Gladiator, while I was writing Brooklyn Gladiator, I was like, holy shit, we're living the dystopian sci-fi right now. <laughs> so I was like, let's, why don't I write about what's happening right now? And that's where um, this story about uh, Bart Fishkill came to be. So this is essentially the prequel to Brooklyn Gladiator, where you have this, um, this detective uh, named Fishkill who is this guy who um he is the ultimate underdog he is the smartest guy in the room except he looks like uh you know people look at him in like he's like lenny from of mice and men you know it's like he, he's right. like this this overgrown uh that can't you know doesn't know his own strength heart of gold People think that he's like a Frankenstein, but he's really this like super smart, almost like a, a beautiful mind kind of detective. And he has been through hell. He has got this traumatic childhood. Um, 
and he goes he's he was there during 9/11 um and goes to enlist because he's like uh you know wants to solve the world's problems and he goes he gets pulled into the black ops world and he gets into the whole remote viewing world the mk ultra world you know and uh they turn him into this like killing machine yeah Ex- except he he's like a one man army except he um he he can't he's got a flaw he's got a glitch he can't he can't they tell him to go into a village and kill everybody and he he can't he can't kill women or children it's just against his programming no matter what they however they program him so there's like okay this guy's an issue <laughs> and they, right. they wipe his brain and they put him on the streets again and he's but he's just such a great mind even though it's fractured and he becomes a detective and he starts sniffing down the wrong corridors and um he knocks on this door um, that's connected to, you know, secret societies and he pisses off the wrong person and he finds himself stuck on bridge duty. And I don't know if you've ever been on the Brooklyn bridge. Yes, I have. Um, They got these, these poor cops that are there, you know, two, four, seven inside these little three wheel, like meter made cars, you know, and, and they, and they're just stuck in there in their little penalty box, just watching life go by. And I was like, Oh, that is just the worst fucking, you know, um, detention, you know, like this, how did this guy get in trouble? And why, how did this fucking guy end up there? And I was like, I want to write about this guy. So Fishkill is that guy now. He's been demoted. Right. He's been demoted and he's stuck on fucking bridge duty. And then all of a sudden, a bomb goes off. And yeah. it's worse than 9-11. Yeah. Long story short, he wakes up the next day. So now it's like fucking Chinatown, you know? It's like that kind of dark, kind of uh, noir. It, it, no, no, he keeps going down rabbit holes and he just keeps on getting his ass kicked. And... um. He he wakes up the next day and his from the trauma he starts to remember his programming, starts to remember what they did to him. And he realizes, holy shit, he's the fucking Patsy. He's now the fucking, you know, Black Friday bomber, you know, who's being blamed for the, oh, the attack oh. on the bridge. And now so now it's the fugitive. He's got to prove his innocence against the fucking deep state. That's the, that's the shortest I can. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. It was, that's a, that's a, all of the, all of my stuff. I love was it. A little complex. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Great stuff. Did you grow up with comics? Oh yeah. I mean, um, that's how I learned to read, man. Heavy metal magazine was the first one I picked off the shelf because it was oversized. I was like, Oh, this must have big pictures in it. You know? And, yeah. And it was like, I was like, it was way too old for me, but I, I was obviously just so, so, you know, taken by it. And, uh, so that was the first one. And then I started just collecting, um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right on. Like the, the, the early, you know, black and white stuff, love Raphael. And then his, that, that Raphael vigilante character really then I branched out into Batman and Wolverine and the Punisher and, you know, Daredevil and all those guys. I love the guys from Marvel that like Spider-Man that hung out in New York because I was a New York guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, that's to, yes to answer your question. I, I love comic books, still love them, still collect them, and I'm so happy to be like contributing to that world. Yeah, and some great stories. Again, I highly recommend all these stories, especially the Brooklyn Gladiator, which I just I love so much. The first issue of it, I cannot wait for the second issue. You said the end of this month. Yes, sir. Around the okay. uh, the twenty fifth, I think. All right. Well, I will. I will get online. Hopefully, I can pre order it now. Cannot nice. wait. Um, we have a lot of metalheads that listen to this this program, and sure. Megadeth, one of our yeah. favorite bands. You worked with them and Heavy Metal Magazine on Death by Design, the graphic no- novel. You talk a little bit about your involvement with that. Man, that was so cool. Because I, I when I grew up, I. Um, my big brother was an influence on me. Like that was his heavy metal magazine that I grabbed. And, and he was a big heavy metal and he heavy metal head. He got me into Metallica. That was like my right. big heavy metal band that I love, but he had posters all over his room. Uh, he loved Megadeth. Um, and, um, and the Rattlehead character. Sure. Uh, was so fucking graphic and just in your face and fucking I, I just loved it and also you know iron maiden you know the eddie character yeah that was like those i i i didn't i, I maybe knew a few of those songs i would like i said metallica was my favorite um but um those posters were all over my room i love those fucking those mascots man and so uh so when they asked me to do a story about Rattlehead, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then, uh, you know, in Mustaine and, you know, his connection to, to Metallica, you know, it was so cool. Um, Absolutely. And so then I got to talk to him a little bit. And that, that was really awesome to have a little bit of that history yeah. uh, rub off on me. And um, so that was cool. That was like, I was like a 15 year old kid again. And then he said, uh, and then it turned out to be the first fucking story in this massive tome. Uh, and it looked beautiful. And uh, Andy Bellinger, who is the artist, he did such a cool job. And the story is basically, um, yeah, he, uh, yeah, rattle your head. That's the story that I, I did. Um, so basically he was like, I don't want you to do like all the lyrics, you know, maybe do like a couple of lyrics here and there, but really make it your own story, your own impression of this, you know, of, you know, this, this poem. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, so I made this post-apocalyptic story about this rattlehead character that goes around. Um, basically <laughs> he's like this, uh, it's like high plains drifter, you know, I fucking love, High Plains Drifter with that Clint Eastwood movie. Remember yeah, that? I, I, I had never saw it, but I, I know the movie you're talking about. He is, you question whether he is alive or dead or if, or if he is this reincarnated uh, guy that has come back to seek revenge on this town. And um, so I thought like, yeah, Rattlehead is... He is an avenging angel, man. He is like one of the fucking four horsemen. And he is now riding on the earth uh, after the, you know, World War Three or four, you know, the dust right. is set- settling. And he's now tracking down, tracking down bad dudes and, 
and making them pay. Basically, that's the uh, right. That's the that's the story. Yeah, check cool. that thing out, man. That is a absolutely beautiful, beautiful book. So, now, yeah, I was uh, you first. You mentioned the Iron, the band Iron Maiden and Eddie and uh, yeah. know, Heavy Metal Magazine is involved with Iron Maiden. They have a bunch yeah. of Iron Maiden comics out, which are great, and I highly recommend those. I know I don't think you were directly involved with those, but they do come out through uh, through Heavy Metal, so. Definitely check those out too, guys. And what what is the Ghoul Screamer? I was reading about this. I, I'm not sure where I can find this, but like, there's a guitar pedal that has superpowers, and anybody who uses it becomes like a a guitar superhero type. Is that where can I find this story of yours? Yeah, there was. Um, we put out um, part of the story in Heavy Metal Magazine. This was supposed to be uh, something. That Justin Mullman, who was um, my producing partner, who had the connection to heavy metal uh, and had the connection to Metallica and was like, oh, shit, you know, Metallica has this brand of guitar pedal that they're pushing called the Ghoul Screamer. And now they, they're thinking about, like, creating an origin story around it, maybe a comic book. That didn't go anywhere, you know, okay. but, we, but right. we got, but we got this story out of it and they were like, yeah, we, yeah, you guys can use it, whatever you want to do. And I was like, oh, awesome. So yeah, that's going to become a thing. It's about this. We're going to, we're going to expand on that more. And, okay, uh, good. Cause it sounds like an awesome concept. It is. It's a, it's about, yeah, fuck, if you're a metalhead, you'll love it. It's about a, um, a possessed guitar pedal. Basically, the son of Satan uh, has been trapped <laughs> inside this guitar pedal. And this guitar pedal, uh, as, as we all know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Satan is the, um, the, the lord of music. And right. uh, so they have somehow stolen his, his favorite son and bottled him inside this, this guitar pedal. And it has been, this guitar pedal has been passed around from every fucking... <laughs> guitar legend that you know um who you suspect has sold their soul <laughs> right and uh, yeah so they did and um and they, it was because of this pedal and it's been passed around so the, our this guy um who's our, our main hero he gets he gets his hand on, on this pedal and you see him go from being this like mediocre or you know guitarist who really wants to be you know the greatest guitarist ever to becoming like fucking you know, Jimi Hendrix, you know, yeah. uh, status fucking guitars and, and people, um, and he's, you know, it's, it's his rise to fame, but also it's a Jekyll and Hyde story because yeah. the, it, what happens is, is, um, every time he uses the pedal, it possesses him and it's the, the son of Satan is basically creeping into his DNA, uh, turning him into, basically himself turning him into a demon and so every time he falls asleep at night he you know it's like a werewolf story he turns right. into this fucking demonic creature running amok and um yeah there's it's a, cool man there's a price yeah. you pay for the for using the ghoul screamer exactly yeah right. exactly cool yeah. man well all this comic stuff is is so yeah. awesome i'm so glad you're involved with heavy metal comics i mean it, they really seem to be kicking ass with everything they're they're putting out to kind of segue out of the comics for the last few minutes here i want to i want to go way way back one of new york's best heavy metal bands of all time typo negative 
I don't want to be me. The <laughs> yeah, music yeah. video, man, that, that that's great. That's some vintage stuff there. How, can you tell us a little bit about you doing that video for Typo Negative? Oh, man. That was my first gig. My first really? gig. Yeah. Right so that was college. before Broadway. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah, man. I was... Um, those guys gave me my fucking first gig, man. It was unbelievable. I, I was fresh out of college. I think I... I answered like a, an ad because you had, it was a non-union bit. I remember that. And yeah. uh, I was non-union and I, I came in and the audition was, um, it's like, like uh, see how, how many pop stars and rock stars and metal stars you can, what kind of many impressions you can flow through during the course of this song. So I came in <laughs> and I did as many fucking, you know, physical impressions that I possibly could. And um, they hired me on the spot. They were like, this, like, fuck him. You do, you, they were like, you blew everybody away, man. And I was like, and I was like, oh, okay, right. great. And I was, and it was like my personal uh, SNL. If you watch that, if you watch that music video, I basically, um, yeah, it's all, it's, it's all me, man. It's all me yeah. running and running around uh, in my like uh, crazy cramped apartment with a million different costumes. and and. Um, I always wanted to do SNL and I thought, man, this would be a great, this is going to be a great, you know, uh, showcase tape for me for that show. And, um, it was such a great creative fucking, what, you know what I, people, I, 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 you know, I don't, there's not a lot of cons going on right now, but, um, people still, every con I go to, they come up to me, man, I love that music video. Really? Cool. Yeah, cool. and those guys, I, I, they're from Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn, so we all, we all hit it off. They were really nice to me. Cool, great. Yeah, typo negative. The late Pete Steele, such, such great stuff. And I guess before we we let you go, just uh, can you just fill us in on what you're up to in the the acting world, the acting career right now? Anything you can uh, give us a little sneak peek or or clue into as as to what you're up to? Sure, man. I'm. Um, yeah, I. Um right now I'm in the UK and we're in the middle of uh filming Fantastic Beast 3. Um, nice. Knock on wood we're we're it's going it's going well man. I'm really excited about Good. it. Good. Good for you. Um and and then that should finish uh in like the springtime and then I'll jump onto The Walking Dead hopefully right after that for the for season the last season man. Um so that should be interesting. And the uh, Excited about that. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to do some more Goldbergs. I wasn't, I usually do the Goldbergs uh, Thanksgiving episode, but right. I, I missed it this year, man. I'm so upset about that. But I do do this, um, I do this, uh, I have my own podcast called the uh, Dan Fogler 40 Experience Podcast. And we do a video cast and we're doing a video cast on the, uh, the 28th and I'm having, um, Jeff Garland on he's my yeah he's my I play Marvin on the Goldbergs and he's my older brother so we're having I missed him you know so we're having a little reunion if you if you guys are fans of the show uh that's on Saturday the 28th at um 4 p.m pst and um what else man I'm just uh I'm doing my thing man I'm I'm you know taking it day by day like everybody else Right on. It's been a it's been a weird year for sure, and that's why you've given us uh, 
Brooklyn Gladiator has been like a, a high point of at least the last month for me. So, so thank you for that. And thank you for all these great comics that are coming out through heavy metal comics, great stuff. And thank you for taking the time to speak with me. My pleasure, Mark. This was a, a good chat with you, man. Awesome. Cool. You take care of yourself and reach out anytime. Please keep us posted on everything that's going on in the comic world. Will do. Rock on. You take a mortal man And put him in control Watch him become a god Watch people's heads a roll Like the Bible
some classic Megadeth right there. Great stuff. Great talking with Dan, too. And so here we are, kind of at the, the end of the podcast. If you don't subscribe to my other show, it's called Talking with Mark Striegel. And I'm, I have nothing written down here. I'm going to kind of free form. All right. So 2020 has been a tough year for me. Um, I've been struggling mentally, uh, as I know a lot of us have been with this lockdown stuff. My, my state of New Jersey has been hit hard and the kids haven't been to school in a long, long time since March. It's been, it's been definitely tough. Uh, it, 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 I know it has for you guys too, but listen, I haven't lost any loved ones as of yet. I haven't, you know, we've had some people that we know and even a family member of Emily's come down with COVID, but in general, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm trying to, uh, have gratitude for what I have, but I, on the flip side, it has been a struggle. I, I do admit that it's just a weird time, man, you know, and, I haven't enjoyed doing talking metal quite as much this year. I have not. And part of that is, you know, I don't get to go hang out backstage at M3 and do interviews or get flown up to Montreal for heavy Montreal. And I even stopped making money, which. You know, there's a little money that comes in through Patreon, but by the time I, I send out the packages and give Victor Ruiz his, his cut, honestly, there's barely any left. And th- that's simply because I don't think I've been working it hard enough, which I'm going to start working the Patreon page way more because we need way, way more people to join us there in order for it to work. And we've had some, you know, I'm, we've had a, a, a few people join us just recently. So I appreciate that. But we're going to push it even harder. We're going to make Patreon even bigger. Now, a lot of the patrons know, I think I've even mentioned it here, that at episode 900, which is this episode, I said I was going to take a break. And I am. I am. I, I will admit to you, there was a dark time two months ago or so where I I was convinced that that, that I was so just over the frustration and there had been some, a number of things that have happened with talking metal behind the scenes. I was just like, this is it. 900 is enough. Let's, let's, let's kill it at 900. Good fi- over 15 year run 900 episodes. Let's, let's kill it. But I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I've re- been rethinking things. I've actually had a conversation with Emily and my mother simultaneously about where to go with this and they've both convinced me not to let this go. I, in the meantime, started another podcast called Talking with Mark Striegel, which I'll continue to do as a companion piece to this. So I'm just kind of riffing here, talking out loud, but Talking Metal will continue. So don't worry about that, guys. But it will not continue for the rest of this year. Which, listen, we're at the end of November, probably December by the time I post this. So it won't be that long of a break. I know I said two-month break. No, it's not going to be two months. I'll be back January 2021. So just a small break for the holidays. I'm sure a lot of you won't even notice that I've been gone. But when we do return, listen, I may be switching up the RSS feed. I may be having that moved. Hopefully that won't mean you need to resubscribe. I'm going to hope if, if it does move... 
I'm hopeful that you won't have to resubscribe. However, if it's March and you haven't gotten a new episode, go resubscribe. Uh, You know, and I mentioned that I wasn't making any money with Talking Metal or very little money with Talking Metal. And yeah, some comes in off the Patreon page and some of you guys use the Amazon links. So I shouldn't say I'm not making any, uh, making a little bit, but I need to make more with it. So what happened last year was not bad, you know, because I had some sponsorships and I had a company. They're called the Midroll. They provided me with ads. Long story short, they wanted me to move my RSS feed and maybe kind of, you know, dot some I's, cross some T's, which I didn't want to do. So in January, I left the Midroll behind. We parted ways. I think that may have been a mistake because, again, it, it cut back. All my advertising has been lost. So between us guys, I may reapproach them and see what I need to do to team back up with them. But that might mean when I when I do return that that talking metal is a new format. I don't know. Honestly, I'm just I'm thinking out loud here. It might be the same exact format, but I suspect there may be some behind the scenes things going on, which will cause the RSS feed to possibly shift. Hopefully all the subscribers will transfer and there may be some programming and producing adjustments to the podcast. We will see. We will see. I'm talking with people. I want to make this a success for all of us. And what if I had to stop playing music? I'm just throwing that out there. You know, what if I put links up in the show notes to where you could hear the music? Because honestly, I'm feeling the walls close in around me. We play music. That's not allowed. It's not allowed. You know, Metal Blade, Century Media and stuff back in the day would be like, oh, please play play my music. But thing, things have changed over the course of the almost 16 years of this podcast. 15 years, I guess, at this point. So maybe I need to change. I said I wouldn't. I said I, I swore. I feel like Motley Crue when, when they say they swore they would never, you know, tour again. But I haven't gotten there yet. I really haven't gotten there. But there's there's a chance. I'm just warning you. The music may, if I want to continue this show. And I said before I wouldn't continue it if I couldn't play music. But I have to admit now I'm having second thoughts. But there's a chance this show could return with no music, which would, I think, be a letdown to a lot of people out there. But on the flip side, if I continue to play music, I'm now convinced that my days are extremely numbered. So, again, I haven't made any final decisions, and I know I said I would not continue to do the show without playing music. I have to tell you, though, that I... We'll be thinking long and hard about that this next month while I'm away. All right. So just giving everyone a warning on, on where this could go, what this might turn into. And maybe it won't. Maybe I'll just keep playing music until the day they, you know, officially wipe me from the face of the podcasting platforms everywhere, which they've already started to do. You know, we're off of Spotify. We're kicked off of Spotify by my new show, Talking with Mark Striegel. That's on Spotify, but I don't play music. There's, you know, I'm doing things legally. So that's kind of where I'm at. 
I don't know. I feel like there was more stuff I want to say, but I will tell you that the Patreon page, the weekly podcast, exclusive podcast will continue on that for the next month. And talking with Mark Striegel will continue. Absolutely. So definitely, if you need me over the next month, that's where you'll find me. Okay. And again, it's I don't I don't see this. It'll be back in January. I suspect early January, although it could be late January. You have my promise. It will return hopefully to an every Tuesday schedule again at some point in January 2021. So I will see you then. I will hear from you then. In the meantime, you know where to reach me at Talking Metal on Twitter, patreon.com slash Talking Metal, and my new website, markstriegel.net. I need your support more than ever, guys. Please, when you make the Amazon purchases, go to markstriegel.net first. Use those links or go to the show notes of this episode. And guys, thank you for listening to me for 900 fucking episodes. Have a great holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Talk to you in the new year. Happy New Year. Let's all raise a glass and say cheers to 2021. I welcome you 2021 with open arms. I will be the first person in line waiting for a vaccine. In the meantime, let's keep wearing our mask, talking metal masks. If you need one, hit me up on PayPal. They're 18 bucks. Uh, I'll give, just shoot me your address. It's paypal.me slash talking metal. Of course, that is not. No, that's wrong. Paypal.me slash Mark Striegel. That is linked from markstriegel.net, which is M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L dot net. Big thanks to our special guests and big thanks to all the people who support me on Patreon. All right. Well, as long as we're still playing music on this episode, let's uh, let's do one to take us out. Right. Actually, let's do a couple. <laughs> let's do a couple to take us out. This is Amorphous, the bee.
Morpheus the Bee going out to Mario over in Switzerland. Thank you for that one, Mario. And, you know, we spoke about Sweet Oblivion earlier. This is Behind Your Eyes by Sweet Oblivion featuring Jeff Tate. Something here You wanna tell me 
little sweet oblivion here on Talking Metal. One more and we're out. One more and we're out. Epic episode, guys. Thank you for hanging with me. This is Atomic Playboys by Steve Stevens here on Talking Metal. One of my favorite interviews of 2019, Steve Stevens. Anyways, we'll talk to you uh, in the new year, guys. Again, Atomic Playboys by Steve Stevens.